The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Hey everybody, good morning. Welcome, I'm Pastor Chris. We're glad that you're here today. Uh, Man, it's going to be an awesome day here at Coastal. And uh, again, uh, evidently we actually made a mistake. There were several bulletins that did not have a Connect card in it. And it really is the way that we connect with one another, especially if you're a guest. And again, no one's coming after you like Ryan said, but we'd love to follow up with you and just send you a little note of thanks for being here. So check your bulletin. If you don't have a Connect card, it's also the way we sign up for things, take next steps, prayer requests, all of that. Just raise your hand because I think some of the bulletins did not get one for some reason. So raise your hand and someone will bring one to you. Uh, There's a lot of good things coming up here at Coastal. Uh, One of those things, in fact, is uh, where you can sign up on the back of your Connect card. It's next Sunday. Uh, We're in the series called The Vow. And uh, next Sunday, we're uh, during the service, during both services, uh, we're going to give all the married couples here an opportunity to stand up and renew their wedding vows. And uh, it's going to be just a great fun. We're going to have a lot of fun together. You're going to be able to literally, come, you know, step out into the center aisles or stand up where you are, come up front, go off to the side, and during the message, renew your vows. And then uh, after the service, we're going to go outside and we're just going to party. We're going to have a great fun uh, outside. We've got a big tent coming. Uh, we've got tables. We've got some chairs. We've got a uh, a DJ, we're going to have dancing, we're going to have wedding cake, we're going to have punch, and we've got food trucks coming. Uh, At least three different food trucks, great food trucks, great food. And uh, so we're not, by the way, we're not picking up the tab for the food truck. So um, you need to bring some money to buy some food, Uh, but we've got a wide variety of things and it's just going to be a lot of fun. And then at the end of both services, um, inside, we're going to pull a Connect card. Uh, That's why those Connect cards are important because sometimes we we do things like this. Um, and we're going to give away a honeymoon package at the end of both services, really for anybody. Uh, but if a 16-year-old wins it, you really need to give it to your parents, okay? Um, so uh, anyway, and if a single adult, you know, wins it, you know, come on. Anyway, so... Um, but it's a two-night stay at the Ansonboro Inn uh, here in Charleston. Dinner for two at circa 1886. And uh, I know this is going to be pretty awesome, isn't it? So, uh, and a little uh, couple's massage as well. So that'll be next Sunday. Invite and bring somebody with you. Uh, just It's going to be just a great service. And um, every Sunday is awesome here at Coastal, by the way. Hey, uh, do me a favor, too. This is kind of cool. This happened this past week, or at least we were made aware of it this past week. Uh, our church, Coastal Community Church, was uh, we made the short list of Charleston City Papers uh, annual uh, best of list. And so we're, uh, we made like one of five churches the best places of worship uh, here in Charleston, Coastal Community Church. That's kind of cool. So there's, there's several other much larger churches that, that are in that category that could you know, easily probably win and have won multiple times. And by the way, they're all great churches. We're just one of a, you know, many great churches here in Charleston. Uh, but if you're so inclined, go online and uh, cast a vote for Coastal. Uh, and again, we'd like to welcome those of you who are uh, at home watching us online. Uh, we have a, a large, uh, growing group of people who watch our services online. Uh, last week, for example, it was like 186 uh, between the two services. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, by the way, if you, just, if you see that number uh, online, that's not the number of people that are watching. That's just no, the number of people that have registered to be able to comment. 
And uh, so we get to see the, the true numbers, and it's, uh, it's very large and growing. So welcome, those of you who are home, sick, traveling, or um, somewhere around the country watching our service. We're glad to have you with us today. Uh, so we are in part two of this series called The Vow, and uh, it's our prayer that God's going to do uh, use this, pr- uh, this series to speak to, to encourage, to inform at least two different groups of people. First of all, uh, we do want to use this series to talk to uh, those of you who aren't married, our single adults. I know when you, th- you think, oh man, they're doing a series on relationships, all about marriage, but uh, that's not true. Uh, I believe that we want to uh, inform and equip you to what a healthy relationship looks like. By the way, I don't know if you saw this or not uh, this past week, but Live 5 News published an interesting article about single adults. Here's what it said. If you are a single person living in South Carolina, you might be in trouble. Aren't you glad about that? Um, A new survey has ranked South Carolina as the 36th worst state for singles. Yeah, (laughs) that's really getting depressing. Thanks, Pastor Chris. Anyway, um, with Valentine's Day coming up, so this article came up before Valentine's Day, WalletHub looked at 50 states across three key dimensions. Those dimensions were dating economics, dating opportunities, and romance and fun. And so within each one of those categories, the state was evaluated on a point scale based on things like online dating opportunities, uh, openness to relationships, cyber dating safety, uh, restaurants and nightlife per capita, and median household income, and, and, and there were some other things. Now, The study found that South Carolina ranked especially low in the dating opportunities category, uh, scoring only 34 points out of the 50 possible, um, low online dating prospects, and and low gender balance of single people, okay? And then also not many fun attractions for singles were, were kind of the reasons why our state ranked low. Now, that might not necessarily be Charleston, but again, they're looking at all of South Carolina. Can anybody guess what the top three states were for single people? Okay, so Florida, California, and Texas scored the top spots. Now, can anybody guess what the bottom three were? Okay, we were 34, so kind of, you know, middle bottom, but the bottom three, you ready for this? North Dakota... <laughs> Arkansas, Jesse, Tyler, I don't know. Anyway, um, and West Virginia, right? I heard that. You know, bottom three spots. Wow. Now, I'm not saying you come to Coastal that we're necessarily going to increase your prospects, you know, for, for marriage. Uh, that, that has happened, by the way, here many times. Um, but here's what I do know. I know that here at Coastal and in this series, we are going to try to give you some tools to be better prepared for a healthy marriage, okay? A marriage that will go the distance and a marriage that will honor God. Now, so the, obviously, that's, you know, the, you're, that's a group of people we don't want to leave out. And then obviously, we are speaking to those of you who already are married. And I believe that this series and things like it, our marriage seminar, are really geared towards strengthening, encouraging, and giving you the tools as well for a strong and healthy marriage. So, let me begin by asking everybody a question, whether you're married or single. Here we go. How many of you have ever done something stupid or ridiculous in the name of love? Raise your hand. Okay, it's got nothing to do with being married or single, okay? We probably all have, right, at one point or another, done something silly. Maybe you remember back in the day, or maybe even now, where you drove through the night 
or cross-country maybe even, risking your life just for 20 minutes with your little love muffin, right? Um, uh, maybe you spent the, the last dime you had in your bank account uh, on some ridiculous concert or activity because it was her favorite band, you know, or something like that. Um, how about this? Maybe you used to sit for hours hours on the phone, maybe before there were cell phones and before there was texting, and you used to just breathe, <laughs> just breathe. Now, not heavy phone sex breathing, but, but I'm not going to say goodnight, you say goodnight. Oh, no, I'm not going to say goodnight, you say goodnight. You know what I'm talking about. Um, Whatever it was, okay, we've all been there, we've all done that, and we've all done ridiculous things in the name of pursuing the one that we love. Now, some of you today are asking questions like, so what happened? You know, where'd the intimacy go? Where'd the adventure go? The romance go? Well, very simply, somewhere along the way, it's quite possible that one or both of you stopped pursuing one another. You stopped pursuing one another. Now think about this for a second. Is there any other area in your life that you can be lazy and see improvement? I mean, you know, can you be lazy with your body and get in better shape? Absolutely not. Can you be lazy in your business and not lead well and not manage your finances and see it grow? Of course not. You know, maybe you got complacent and you have begun to take someone for granted. And all of a sudden, over time, and actually it wasn't all of a sudden, it was over time, you tend to pay less attention to your loved ones rather than more attention. And, you know, some of it's kind of natural or normal to an extent where you're paying more attention to things like bills and babies and work and all kinds of things. And all of a sudden, your husband or your wife is no longer the focal attention of your life. And if you're not careful, when that happens, the marriage can deteriorate. Now, ladies, I want to set you straight about men just for a moment. In general, men tend to be Goal-oriented. Now, unless you understand that, you're never going to understand part of the male psyche. We are hunters, okay? We are. And uh, we set a goal, we set a mission, and we say, I'm going to go after, I'm going to pursue that goal, and I'm not going to stop until I reach it. That's the way a lot of guys think in general. Now, you take that logic, that understanding, and you apply it over to marriage and relationships. And many times, this is exactly what happens. One day, the guy wakes up and he goes, I gotta get me a wife. I need a woman. And so he becomes a man on a mission. He's got a very clear-cut goal, get a wife. Now, during that stage, the man becomes very creative. I mean, he woos and whines and dines. And, and, uh, and then once he finds the woman of his dreams, he will do 
anything. In fact, he will do stuff that he would not normally ever do, you know, like read poetry and, you know, go to the opera and, you know, take long walks on the beach. And, you know, and he'll do these things because he's a man on a mission. And then, very subtly, once the wedding takes place, something clicks in his brain. Mission, what? Accomplished. What's next? What's the next goal? Now, let's, let's press into this a little bit. I'm saying he's not necessarily being selfish. He's just being a man. Okay? And ladies, I think you need to understand this. The moment you get married many times in a man's brain, something shifts. It shifts to goal number two, which is, now i got to provide for this woman. I love her. And I've taken on extra responsibility. Now I need to go make some money because I've committed myself to caring for this woman. So subtly, the focus shifts from pursuing the woman to providing for the woman. Now for him, listen, for him, in, in many ways in his mind, it's still love. It's just his focus has changed. But there is a difference. Now, Here's the problem though. Many times the woman goes, what happened? I mean, I thought we were still gonna take long walks on the beach. I thought we were still gonna read poetry. You know, when we were dating, you bought flowers, you wrote notes, you made phone calls. We talked for hours. What happened? I've been sidelined. I've been displaced. I've been dumped for a career. And so the point I'm trying to make today is this. Sometimes one of the biggest problems in marriage is that we stop pursuing each other. You know, somebody told me a long time, and I've used this many times, that if you spent more time courting your spouse, it's less likely you're going to wind up in court. Okay? We, we, we are in this series called The Vow. And we're looking at promises. We're looking at commitments that we need to make in order to have strong relationships or a healthy marriage. And we, we talked about several last week. But one of the promises that we talked about last week was this idea of promising to make God your number one. He is always first, number one in your life. And then your spouse is number two. You know, I, I'm going to make my spouse my number two. Well, here's the promise I want you to make today. I promise to always pursue my number two. I promise to pursue, continue to pursue my number two. God's number one, my spouse is number two. Genesis 2.24 says this, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be what? What's the next word? Be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. So a man leaves mom and dad, he reprioritizes uh, the relationships, God is number one, and his spouse now, not parents, are number two. And that he is united to his wife. And the, the root word there in the Hebrew that's translated united, it means cling to, adhere to, to catch by pursuit, to pursue hard with affection and devotion. And so if your marriage is gonna keep growing, you got to figure out a way 
to keep pursuing each other. If not, your marriage is going to crumble. Now, one of my favorite stories in the Bible about pursuit uh, is the story of Jacob and his love for Rachel. You know, one of the things I like about the Bible, honestly, it's so blunt and so funny, actually. A lot of, a lot of humor. Well, the Bible says, you've got to go home and read this for yourselves. It's Genesis like 28 through 30, uh, especially chapter 29. Um, it basically says there were these two sisters, okay? Leah and Rachel. Leah was the older sister. Rachel was the younger sister. And the Bible says this. This isn't on your outline, but it is on the screen. Uh, Genesis 29, 17. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. That's what the Bible says. She had weak eyes. Uh, in the Hebrew, that means she had a great personality, okay? That's, uh, <laughs> that's basically what the Bible is saying, okay? But... Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, man, I want her. I'm going to pursue her. I want to marry her. In fact, I'll do whatever it takes to marry her. Now, the dad, Laban, he was kind of a, a shrewd businessman, and he basically said, okay, fair enough. I'm going to let you have my daughter if, if you work for me for seven years. Wow. Listen to this, Genesis 29, 20, one of the most romantic, mushy verses in the Bible. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. And all the women said what? Oh, yeah. Time, seven years, just flew by because of his love. Now, the story gets a little interesting. Laban uh, pulls a little switcheroo. And uh, instead of the younger, beautiful one, he gives Jacob the older weak-eyed one. <laughs> and, um, and Jacob basically goes, whoa, 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 Laban, hold up. I wanted Rachel. And the dad said, well, in our culture, it's proper to give the older daughter first. He said, I asked for the other one. And a lot of people think that Jacob had to work, you know, seven years, and then he got Rachel. But actually what happened is the father went ahead and gave Rachel to him, but then said this, okay, then you still owe me another seven years. Now you think about that for a second. Jacob worked for Rachel after he already had her. In other words, he had to continue to pursue her. I like that. For seven more years, he gladly worked for her even though, technically, he had already received the gift. He worked for her even after he already had her. And in so many ways, what I'm saying is, that's the heart of what I think God wants us to do in marriage. He wants us to continue to pursue our number two even after we already have them, even after we're already married. Now, let me speak to those of you very specifically who are not yet married, are single, are single adults. Let me give you a piece of advice here. You see, if you are in a relationship right now, if you are dating someone right now, and there is not already, there is not now mutual pursuit, you better reevaluate that relationship. You better reevaluate that relationship. Let me just tell you, ladies, if he's not doing something regularly that looks like a date, you know, if he's not dressing himself up, taking a shower, you know, or something, 
and, and making some sort of extra effort for you, if he is not doing anything out of his way to make you feel special, ladies, if he is not pursuing you now, he is not going to pursue you later. He's not. Now, hear this from your pastor loud and clear. You are worth pursuing. You are worth pursuing. Stop settling for someone, some piece of trash that won't pursue you. Now, let's talk about how we live this out. Let me get real practical here. Because, you know, I, I really don't believe that anybody gets married today and thinks, you know, I want to have a bad marriage. <laughs> uh, I want to lose the intimacy. I want to, you know, let, let's give it a go for seven years, then let's split up everything and have the kids on the weekend. I don't think, I don't think anybody does that. You know, we have good intentions. We love one another. I believe we start out that way so often, but life wears us down. We get tired. We get worn out. We get overwhelmed. And sometimes we want to show the love that we once felt, but we simply don't do it. And so I want to give you three choices to make today, three simple principles that could help close the gap between your intentions and your actions that will help you to keep pursuing your number two. First thing, if you're taking notes, when you think something good Say it. When you think something good, say it. And this is going to be really simple. You know, every time you think something good about your spouse, say it. Why in the world would you ever rob your bride of a blessing of positive thought without giving it life and saying it to her? Why would you do that to your husband? You know, Hebrews 3.13 says this, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called when? Today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. In other words, if you want to keep the deceitfulness of sin out of your relationship, then one of the ways you can do that is by encouraging one another daily. Every time you think something good, you say it. Let me tell you something. I tell Janet every single day, multiple times a day, multiple, multiple ways a day, how, how beautiful I think she is to me, how much I love her, how, how special she is. I never, ever, ever, ever want Janet Rollins to be starved of verbal affection. Every time I think something good, I say it. Now, let me give you a couple of pieces of advice here. Guys, when you pursue her with words, pursue her with words of affection. Pursue her with words of affection, non-sexual affection. Now, I know some of you guys are saying right now, what in the world is that? <laughs> Let me explain it to you. And because I still struggle with this one too, so I'm calling the kettle black here. Let's, but I'm going to say it really slowly. You ready? Non-sexual affection. Some of you are still confused. It is affection that is non-sexual, okay? But, you know, come on. Here, the reality is that we guys can make anything sexual, right? I really think it's like a spiritual gift. Your wife says something like, you know, hey, honey, do you think we ought to ro rotate the tires? You go, I'll rotate your tires, baby. You know, like, <laughs> we'll say stupid stuff and you're going, what does that even mean? You know, like, like she says, will you load the dishes? I'll load your dishes, baby. You know, like, 
with just the way we, it just means you ask Jane and I do this all the time. It is a gift, but we want to pursue her with non-sexual affection. Um, now, let me give you a very simple, powerful tool that you could start using today to start doing this. Here it is, so simple. When you say, I love you, add the word because, and then you fill in the blank. And you try to change it up a little bit. I love you because you're my best friend. I love you because you're an amazing dad to our kids. Because you're an amazing mom to our children. I love you because you're the best friend I ever had. I love you because you still pursue God as your number one. Now, ladies, I want to say this to you. Men, you pursue her with words of affection. Ladies, pursue him with words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Because he is becoming who you see him as. Affirmation. This is so important. Ladies, stop telling your man what he's not. That's defeating to a man. When you say, you're not this, you're not that, he wants to take his ball and go home. Listen, even if he's not quite yet there, when you build him up, when you affirm him, he grows, sometimes small baby steps by baby steps, into the man that you hope he will become. One of the most common complaints that I hear from women is this. Well, my husband, my man, he is just not a spiritual leader. He's not a spiritual leader. Now, when you say that, when you say that to him, there is nothing in him that then wants to lead spiritually because he recognizes that you don't look up to him in this way. But if you'll just start by taking whatever he does that is even remotely spiritual and applaud him for it, like let's just say one day he goes, hey, let's go to church. And then at some point you come back and you're like, Honey, I just want to tell you, I, I felt so close to you and so proud when you said, let's go to church. You know what he'll go, really? Wow. You know, he may have never, ever prayed before, prayed for a meal or anything like that, but it's Thanksgiving, okay, and uh, he prays, and he, maybe he even prays, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food, you know, for our food, you know, and, but afterwards, at some point, you go up to him and you whisper in his ear, darling, when you prayed for the family today, wow, I like that. And breathe heavier, something like that when you do it. <laughs> and I promise you, I promise you, the next time the family is gathered together, we're, hold hands, family. <laughs> He'll start quoting scripture. I mean, it'll be amazing. Build him up with words of affirmation because the way you see him helps determine who he becomes. I'm telling you, when you meet a truly confident man, not a proud, boastful man, I mean a man of confidence, almost every single time there is a woman who believes in him. 
And if there's a man who battles with insecurity, it comes out in false pride. Pursue him with words of affirmation. Men, she wants to know, do you love me today? Ladies, he wants to know, do you believe in me today? Anytime you think something good, say it. Number two, when you think something special, do it. When you think something special, do it. Uh, James 4.17, I want you to apply this, this scripture to your marriage just for a second, to your relationships. Listen to this. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Wow. Anytime you know something good that you should do to be a blessing, do it. You know, come home early from work one day. I mean, you, you think it, you know, grab some takeout and say, honey, we're going for a park. We're going for a picnic today in the park. It's a beautiful day. You know, we're going to go take that walk on the beach. I arranged for someone to take care of the kids. Guy, oh, speaking of that, guys, if you got little babies at home, one of the most romantic things you can do is give those dirty scoundrels a bath. I mean, I'm serious. Load the dishes. Vacuum. That's actually a very sexy thing. It is. Sit, you know, send her flowers. Listen to this. If you can't afford them, pick them. There's a cemetery right by my house. They don't need them. <laughs> She'll not know. You know, people think you're there mourning. They're, they'll think that you're, you, you know, listen. And I bet, I bet this, if you ask any one of those people that are dead, they'd say, take the flowers. <laughs> Give them to your spouse. Give them to your wife. Fill her car with gas. Write a little love note. Put little sticky notes all over it. Watch a chick flick instead of a body count. If you think something special, do it. Do it. Number three, this is important. When you want something different, you be it. Be it. Now I'm really going to meddle here for a moment. But there's a lot of you who are going to leave here today saying, that's right. If you'll just start doing what Pastor Chris said, if you'll just be that person, then I will know. Stop it. Stop pointing your finger at the other person. Don't gripe about what your spouse is not. You become what God wants you to become. Let me say it again. Stop griping about what your spouse is not, and you become what God wants you to become. You want something different than you be it. It is your example that leads to change behavior, not your nagging, not your tearing the other person down, not, not your belittling the other person, not you comparing that person to somebody else. It's your becoming something different that actually has the power to spark something you know, miraculous in that other person. You don't criticize somebody and do a better marriage. We can't change other people. You are only responsible for yourself. The moment you go home and you start trying to apply this message or another message to your spouse, to your boyfriend, your girlfriend, you have missed the entire point. You become something different. You become something different. And if you don't know what to do, if you don't know where to start, you ready for this? This is revolutionary. Ask. Have a conversation with the person that you say you love. And just ask, hey, how could I be a better support to you? 
How could I be a better spouse? How could I love you better? I think many times we don't want to do that because we don't want to hear the answers. Because we know we got stuff to work on. But if you want what everybody else has, you just keep doing what everybody else is doing. And 50% of those marriages today fail. You know, it's, it's those things that we really need to hear and we need to start applying because once we apply them, what I'm saying is you're going to see your marriage improve. And guys, let me, let me talk straight to you. You see, I believe it's your responsibility to take the lead here. You take the lead. That's what it means to be, you know, the head of your home, the, the spiritual leader of your home. It means initiative. It means engagement. It means you take the lead. You know, the beautiful thing about women, they're multipliers. Man, what you give to them, they multiply. If you don't like what you're getting, you look at what you're giving. Instead of complaining about what you're not getting, ask yourself, what can I give to this marriage to always pursue my number two? There was a time when you did it. When you were in love, where you said you were in love and you did those stupid, crazy things. Why? Because you said you were crazy about this person. And years later, you wonder what's happened. Somewhere along the way, you stop doing this. You stop pursuing. Here's the principle to remember. To get what you once had, you must what? You must do what you once did. Again, you, you had it before. You can get it again, and it can even be better. I, I think most of you know how to do it because you did it before. Show some romance, show some tenderness, some affection. Pursue the person for who they are. And over time, I'm telling you, a heart begins to soften. The romance returns. Suddenly, you're playful again, you're fun again. Then it starts snowballing. To get what you once had, you got to do what you once did. If it was ever special, it can be special again. You know, Jesus one time said something very similar to a group of churches and to one particular group, of, uh, one particular church that had lost their first love. And I've shared this passage with hundreds of couples over the years sitting in my office. And I want you to listen to what he said because I believe it can apply to our marriages. And he starts off by saying, I know all the things that you do. This is in Revelation. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work. I've seen your patient endurance. And then he, he, starts, he lists some of those things, okay? And basically, they, they've done a lot. They've been through a lot. And you know what? Honestly, I think that describes some of your relationships in this room. I, I think it describes possibly your marriage. Over the years, some of you, man, you, you've done a lot, you've been through a lot, and now you're tired. But then Jesus said this, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did when? At first. He says you've lost your first love. Look how far you've fallen from your first love. Turn back to me again and work as you did when? At first. Again, another translation of this passage says, you have forsaken your first love. Repent and do the things you did at first. In other words, you already know how to pursue Guys, you know how to pursue. It comes natural to you. But don't waste the gift that God has given to you 
throughout all these years. Fall in love all over again. If the grass is looking greener somewhere else, put some fertilizer down on your side of the fence. Water your yard. Mow your own grass. You can have the marriage that God wants you to have. Make the promise today to keep pursuing your spouse. And single adults, if you're in a relationship where there is not mutual pursuit, get out now. Get out now. What about you? You know, so often here at Coastal, we, I mean, at the end of every single one of my messages, I talk about the gospel. I do. I point people to Jesus. I say that's, you know, that's the most important thing. But, but before I talk about that, I, I want to talk about this for a second. Because some of you have lost your first love. You've worked hard. You've been there. You've done that. Done that you know, you've served. You've been involved in the church a long time. But I wonder, I wonder if Jesus were looking at you today and say, I, I appreciate all that you've done. You've served. You, you've been there. You've done that. You, you've worked hard but you've lost your first love. Repent. And do what you once did. Come back to me. Some of you are believers in this room and it's time for you to start pursuing Jesus again. Now, let me tell you something. Every single marriage, every great marriage goes through difficulties and you need a power and a strength that's not your own. And it's quite possible that you're in this room today and you've never yet submitted your life to Christ. Listen, we, we need him. We need large doses of forgiveness and grace and he teaches us how to be patient and love and true love, not, not feelings, not sex. You know, it's again, how you treat people regardless of how you feel because sometimes you don't feel very good and regardless of how they respond because many times they don't respond well. Where do you get that from? Man, you get it from a power not your own, and I believe it comes from Christ. And you can be forgiven today. And man, what a beautiful thing when, when you have a power that's not your own, and you're forgiven, and you're growing in Christ, and your partner is too. And maybe you're here, and that's just not the way it is. It's just you. Well, you know what? Keep loving. Keep praying. You can't change them, but you can keep changing yourself. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, today, God, I thank you for your word. I pray that we would keep pursuing the person in our life on this side of eternity that we have chosen to love. And Father, I do pray for all the single adults who are in this room that are wanting that kind of relationship. God, I pray they don't settle. They're worth pursuing. But God, I also pray that we would all pursue you. And there might be some believers in this room who have forsaken their first love. And they stopped doing those simple things they used to do. Pray, read the word, fellowship. God, I pray today that collectively we would repent and we would do the things that you've called us to do, the things that we did at first. Listen, if you're here today and you're ready to come home to Jesus, just pray this very simply. God, I have blown it.
I want to come home. I do believe. As much as I know how, as much as I understand today, I believe. I put my trust and my hope in Jesus. I believe he went to the cross for me, died for my sin. I believe he rose from the dead, that he has power over sin and death. And now, God, for the rest of my days, I want to follow him. I ask him to come into my life, to forgive me of my sin, and I want, to be, I want him to be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you, Father. We love you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.